So why did God invent giving? Listen, God did not create giving for his sake. He created giving for your sake. He created giving to work greed and selfishness out of our lives. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart follows your treasure. It's not the other way around. I've actually heard preachers misquote the scripture and say, where your heart is, there your treasure will be. That's not the scripture. It's not what Jesus said. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, If you want your heart in the kingdom, you put your treasure there. If you want your heart in your marriage, you put your treasure there. If you, if you invest in a stock, you'll start going online and checking on that stock, even though you've never checked on it before in your life and you never cared about it before. Once you put your treasure there, your heart follows. So this is a series about the heart, and that's the name of this first message. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. So uh, Matthew 7, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. Now, what you might not know is Luke 16 include, is, a, a, is a, an encapsulation, a, a physician's account of the Sermon on the Mount, and it's Luke 16 from about verse 20 to verse 49. So at the end of the chapter, I think 49 would be the last verse in, in Luke 6. But it's um, um, not the whole Sermon on the Mount, but it's part of it, okay? So I wanna show you some parallel passages And I want to help you understand, because I'm going to show you a verse that's about the heart and attitudes of the heart that we use a lot about money. And I need to to help you see the difference, all right? So Matthew 7, verse 1, I, I want to see if you can pick up what the context or what the theme of this uh, passage is, all right? Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. Can anyone pick up the theme (laughs) of what that might be talking about? Would you say judging and judgment? Hello, everyone, okay. And then he says, and with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. Look at those verses. And tell me, is the word money anywhere in those two verses? No, money's not there, right? And what's the theme again? What's he talking about? Judging people, right? Don't judge or you'll be judged. And with whatever judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the same measure you give judgment, you'll get judgment back, okay? Now, I wanna go over and show you the parallel passage in Luke, and this is the parallel passage. Anything, I've never heard a theologian in the world say it's not the parallel passage, and if any did, they'd be foolish to say something like that, because anyone knows it is, all right? So Luke 6, verse 37 says, judge not, and you shall not be judged. And the end of verse 38 says, for with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. You see what I'm saying? So that's exactly what we read in Matthew 7. But I want to show you a verse that Luke puts in the middle of those two phrases 
that is normally used to talk about money, but I want you to watch very carefully and see if you ever see the word money in this passage, all right? Verse 37, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned or you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Watch verse 38, give. Now again, don't think about money because he's not using the word money here. Give and it will be given to you. Now he's talking about judgment, condemnation, and forgiveness. Give judgment, give condemnation, give forgiveness, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put in your bosom for with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. But most of the time, when a pastor gets up and preaches on Luke 6, 38, what is he preaching about? Money. But money was nowhere in that passage. Nowhere. Now, the word it is in that passage. Give and it will be given to you. It is an objective pronoun. So you have to, you can put a noun in there. And, you know, so if you give money, money will be given back to you. You can use this to apply to money, but that's not the primary meaning. That's all I'm trying to tell you. What's the primary meaning? The primary meaning is an attitude of your heart. Judgment, condemnation, or forgiveness. Give um, apples and apples will be given back to you. Uh, you know, give laptops and laptops will be given back to you. Uh, give your pastor coupons for bluebell ice cream and bluebell ice cream, I, I'm sorry. But this is simply saying, give, and whatever you give, it will be given back to you. But every time we use the word give, for some reason, we think the pastor's preaching on money. But the Bible is full of giving. Let me give you the most famous verse of the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave. But he didn't give money. He gave a savior, what we needed. Uh, I was being interviewed for this uh, magazine one time and the guy interviewing me said, how often do you preach on giving? And I said, every week. And he said, every week? And he said, oh, oh I, I know what you're talking about now. You mean you give like a little five minute sermonette before you uh, pass the plate? And I said, we don't pass the plate. I said, we've never passed the plate one time at Gateway Church, not once since we began. And he said, well, but you preach on giving every week? I said, well, of course I do. And I said, now, you asked me how many times do I preach on giving, but I think what you meant to ask me was how many times do I preach on giving money? But you didn't ask me that. You asked me how many times I preach on giving. I said, I can't preach without preaching on giving your life to Jesus. Every week I'm gonna invite people to give their life to Jesus. I said, I can't preach on prayer without talking about giving your heart to God and giving your, your time and energy to God every day to spend time in prayer. I can't preach on marriage definitely without preaching on giving because if you're not a giver, you won't make it in marriage. Don't punch anybody right now, okay? <laughs> but if you're a selfish person, you're, you're not gonna make it in marriage. You have to be a giver. It's not 50-50, it's 100-100 in marriage. It's 100% for both people. 
So how are we gonna develop uh, a generous heart? It's, it's all about giving, okay? And it's about the heart. All right, so Deuteronomy 15 tells us about our heart. So I want you to watch how many times it talks about our heart. Deuteronomy 15 verse seven says, if there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you. I just want you to notice the Lord, God, whatever land you have, God gave it to you. Whatever field you have, whatever your position is, occupation, God gave it to you. Or, or he gave you the ability to do it. And of course, you took that ability and developed it into a skill. I understand that, but God still gave you. You could have been born in a third world country, and, or you, could, you may have, and you may have uh, come here. That's wonderful. But you may have been born even without the mental aptitude to do what you do. So we need to thank God for everything we have. But the land that the, God, the Lord your God is giving you, if there's a poor man within any of your gates, you shall not harden your, what? Heart. Nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly, that is talking about an attitude of the heart again, and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. So I got four points instead of three this week, but here's, here's the first point. Develop, or deal, pardon me, deal with a selfish heart. If you're gonna be a generous person, deal with a selfish heart. Verse nine says, we're just gonna go right through Deuteronomy 15. Verse nine says, beware lest there be a wicked thought. I just want you to notice, God calls selfishness wickedness. Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your, what? Heart, saying the seventh year, the year of release is at hand, which would be jubilee, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing. Watch this. And he cry out to the Lord against you, and it become sin among you. Selfishness. First of all, God calls selfish thoughts wicked thoughts, and he says wicked thoughts become sin among you. And so here's what he was saying. Don't let the thought come in your mind Next year is the year of Jubilee and all debts are canceled. And so if he can't pay me back by next year, then I'll have to cancel his debt. See, God implemented an economic system that every seven years, all debts were canceled. How many of you would like to re-implement God's economic plan? Anyone? All debt canceled every seven years. So in the sixth year, buy yourself a really nice house, okay? <laughs> he said, don't let the thought come in your mind, uh-oh, wait, the year of release is at hand. So he won't be able to pay me back. He said, and here's what he called it. That's a wicked thought. He's trying to say, I want my children to be like I am. I want you to be generous. Um, I can't stand it. And I don't think God can stand it when a preacher says, give and you'll get. Now, I believe God rewards, and I'm gonna stop right there because I'm gonna say a statement and I like to say, say statements with semicolons 
Because if I said it with a period, it wouldn't be true. So you have to understand this first phrase has a semicolon, all right? God does not bless giving. Now, no, not a period here, okay? Because then it would be untrue. But it's a semicolon. God does not bless giving, semicolon. He blesses giving with the right heart. That's what he blesses. So when you give to get, he's not gonna bless that because that's selfishness. Here, here's, I have a question for you. Why did God invent giving? Now I could say create to make it sound more biblical. And of course I love the Bible, but God invented giving. You, no, no one else did, it's all through the Bible. He's the one that invented sacrifices, offerings, tithing, God did all that. No, no preacher did it, God did it. So why? I, I was teaching a Bible college one time and I said to, to the students, why did God create giving? And um, they all had the same answer basically, uh, to support the work of his kingdom. Now I want you to just think about this for a moment. I want you to just think with me. I hope you get ahead of me and start laughing because it's hilarious when you think about it. Do you really believe that God needs your money to build his kingdom? The guy who can say, let there be light and there's light and he needs your money. Do you really believe that? Think about it. I mean, is, is the light bill in heaven so high that God needs us to give today? Uh, is he running out of gold, which is asphalt for him? That's what he paves his streets with. His foundations are made out of precious stones. He really needs our money? No. So why did God invent giving? Listen, God did not create giving for his sake. He created giving for your sake. He created giving to work greed and selfishness out of our lives, not to work greed and selfishness in our lives. And that's why I can't stand it when a preacher preaches giving you'll get, giving you'll get, because he's actually working greed and selfishness back into your life instead of out of your life. Can you imagine how God feels when a preacher preaches giving you'll get, giving you'll get, and so people say, well, I'm gonna give because I wanna get. And then God's thinking, this is great. All of my people are catching the revelation of getting. What if a preacher said, give even if you don't get anything back? And everybody said, I wanna give. Whether I get anything back at all from God, I've already gotten eternal life. What else do I need? I just wanna give. I just wanna help people. So let me just say something about the blessed life, all right? The word blessed from the, in the Greek is the word makarios. It means happy. Think about the Beatitudes. Happy are the poor in spirit. Happy are the meek. Happy are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, right? So it means happy. Here's number two, deal with a grieving heart. A grieving heart. See, greed attacks us before we give. Grief attacks us after we give. 
greed before, grief after. Watch it right in your Bible, verse 10. I'm just going right down to Deuteronomy 15. You shall surely give to him and your what? Heart, it's all about the heart, should not be grieved when you give to him. Because for all this thing, watch this. If you give, if you're generous, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. Grief attacks us after you. Let me ask you this. Have you ever given like God, you felt like God spoke to you to start tithing or give a large offering or make a commitment to a building fund or something and right after you do it, something around your house breaks? Isn't that amazing? And what does the devil do? You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have given that much money. See, greed attacks you before, grief afterwards. Now, you know, this is crazy, but I'm up here and I've been preaching over 40 years and a thought just went through my mind and I should know to just let it go on through. But I just was thinking, you know how I like to give $100 bills away and I was just thinking, I don't have any $100 bills and I need to, oh, look at that. That's $100 right there. See that 100 right there? Look at that. Okay, so you know what? Let's talk about this for a second. So why when I said I didn't have any $100 bills, why did Mike get up that fast and give me this $100 bill? Well, let me tell you why. Because I gave it to him before the service. <laughs> this is my $100. Now, let me ask you something. Is he grieving because he gave this to me? Are you, are you grieving? Oh, you are a little? So, okay, I should have chose someone else. Uh, but, uh, no, he's not grieving, he's joking, okay. He's not grieving because he only gave me back what was mine in the first place. The earth is the Lord's and all those who dwell in it. Did you get the point? Don't ever grieve when you give back to God what's already his. All right, here's point number three. So one was deal with a selfish heart, two, deal with a grieving heart. Here's three, develop a generous heart. Verse 14, you shall supply him liberally or generously from your flock, from your threshing floor and from your wine press, from what the Lord has blessed you with. Told you it was God's anyway. You shall give to him. God said he wants us to be generous. See, we were born selfish. Children are selfish. If you have any, you know. They're selfish. But we're born again generous. Did you know you want to be generous? I'm not asking you to do anything you don't want to do. You want to. You want to. That's why I wrote the book Beyond Blessed to help manage your funds because people who don't manage it can never give it. So we're born again. So, uh, Josh and Hannah have two kids. Grady, their oldest, turned 16 this weekend. It's his birthday. And then their daughter, Willow, is 13, right? Okay. But when Willow was four years old, here in our children's church, when she got in the car, she said to Hannah, uh, her mother, our daughter-in-law, 
She said, did you know there was a woman in the Bible who only had two pennies and she gave both of them to Jesus? And Hannah said, yeah, I've, I, I read that one time. I've heard about that. And uh, she said, that, it is amazing, isn't it? And Willow said, I want to give something to Jesus. So Hannah said, well, why don't you pray and ask Jesus what he wants you to give him? So Hannah said, I was watching in the rearview mirror. She's in the back seat in the car seat, you know. And she said, so Willow went like this. And then she put her hands up like this. And then she went, What? Just wondering if you've ever had that. What? You want me to give what to the building fund? What? Are you crazy? You know, I'm like, what? And then she said, little baby? And then she said, oh, oh, baby Lolo. Oh, yeah, you can have her. I don't like her. Okay, that's cute when you're four. It's not cute when you're 40. You know what I think God is actually saying to all of his kids? Now, this is a little tough. I think he's actually saying, grow up. And do you know the difference between a mature Christian, a mature believer, and an immature believer? Is generosity. I'm telling you, immature believers are selfish. Mature believers are generous. And here's the last one, number four, develop a grateful heart. Verse 15 says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you or bought you back from being a slave. Therefore, I command you this thing today. I just want you to know he is commanding his children to be generous. He said, therefore, I command you to be generous. I'm commanding you to do this to help people, other people. I'm commanding you. And he said, let me tell you why I'm commanding you. Because you had nothing. You were enslaved. And I bought you back. Okay, so you may not have been enslaved in the natural, and most of you probably weren't. I don't know if anyone here was. But you were enslaved to sin. The Bible says we were slaves to sin. And he bought us, he purchased us with his own blood. So this verse applies to us. You need to remember, here's what he's saying, that you were a slave to sin and I redeemed you with the blood of my own son. Therefore, I'm commanding you to be generous because everything you have came from me. Um, when uh, most of the time I do television interviews and um, for other places and Debbie doesn't, you know, she doesn't like to do television interviews. If, I, if she knows the television interviews coming up and they want both of us, she schedules a root canal. So um, that's just not her thing, you know. So what I've done now, I've learned, is uh, I book an interview like two months in advance and then I tell her like two days in advance, you know, so she can't get out of it. Um, but she's been asked this over and over on television, you know, and, but this is what the, when we're talking about giving, and we talked about one time, and I'll share it in here, how we gave our house away. And uh, so they'll ask her, how did you feel when Robert told you he wanted to give y'all's house away? How'd you feel? And here's her answer always. 
I felt great. I felt great. And they say, why did you feel great? And she says, well, you have to remember that Robert wasn't saved when we got married. And I prayed that he'd get saved. And God answered my prayer. So every time he wants to give something extravagantly to the Lord, I thank God that I have a new husband. I have a new husband. And one time, one time one of the interviewers said, why do you think he gives so extravagantly? And this was her answer. Because he's never gotten over getting saved. I would just want to remind you that the title of this message is, It's All About the Heart. And I get that from that Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So please don't let the enemy confuse you that we're talking about money. We're talking about our hearts. And I believe in the same way that I've never gotten over getting saved. You never have either. It's about our hearts. It's about how much we love Jesus and how much we love people. But I've had difficulty in this area. We've all had difficulties in this area. So if this is an area where you have difficulty giving to the kingdom of God, then I just want you to simply ask the Holy Spirit to do a work in your life through this series. This is just the first message in this series. And I want to remind you the blessed life is the giving life, not the receiving life. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Hey, I love you so much. So join us next time because I'm gonna be continuing this series, The Blessed Life. In his series, The Blessed Life, Pastor Robert shares how you can make an even bigger impact for the kingdom of God by discovering God's principles governing financial stewardship, giving, and blessing. Every area of your life can be transformed from your marriage to your health and finances. Why did God invent giving? Listen, God did not create giving for His sake. He created giving for your sake. For your gift of any amount, we'll send you this entire life-changing series on CD or as an audio digital download. We'll also include a very special resource guide to help you share your faith in the Easter season called Evidence for the Resurrection. Or for your gift of $85 or more, you can also request Pastor Robert's book, The Blessed Life. In this recently revised version featuring fresh stories and illustrations, you'll gain a deeper understanding of what it truly means to live a blessed life. We'll also send the Blessed Life study guide to use as a companion to the CD series. And for your gift of $135 or more, you'll also receive a spiral-bound stand-up calendar featuring inspirational scripture and encouragement for every day of the year. We'll also include our Fresh Start Bible, equipped with tools for building a strong spiritual foundation and provides answers to common questions from key leaders, including Pastor Robert. Visit us at PastorRobert.com to get these special resources today. As always, thank you for your continuous prayers and generous financial support of Pastor Robert Morris Ministries.
You feel it. Inside you beats a heart for ministry, a sense that you're called to serve God in a greater way. But perhaps you feel stuck, not knowing how to get from where you are to that envisioned place. Let the King's University Online be the bridge to your calling. Under the stewardship of Gateway Church, TKU is equipping Christ-like servant leaders through the power of the Holy Spirit. Imagine what could happen if you took the first step.